Welcome, everybody, to the Pro Football Show. It is Wednesday, April 8th, and we are two weeks away, two weeks tomorrow, from the NFL Draft. It's been a interesting and unique grind as we get ready for the draft, unlike any that I have been involved in, and gosh, since 1982, nothing quite like this. But as uh, as I told the general manager today, you know, back in the old days when we didn't have didn't have cell phones, didn't have internet, didn't have the mean to communicate with a landline, we got through drafts and communication was done from team facilities. It's going to be different, but it's very doable and a lot of panic for nothing. And, look, it's going to be different, and there are going to be mistakes. But, look, there's embrace the challenge. Um, I think the preparation part is probably a bigger issue or the lack thereof. But there again, got to trust the work that you've done during the fall. And if you didn't do a good job in the fall of evaluating players, well, I think it's going to hurt you. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think that's going to be – a factor that's going to contribute to the success of each draft or the lack thereof. But we got a lot to get to. We're going to talk, see what we got on tap for the day that I want to get to. We'll talk a little bit about a couple of receivers, T. Higgins and Brandon Ayuk, that I think are really good players uh, that you are going to get to know a little bit more about and their impact in the NFL. We're going to talk about the NFC South teams. What have they done this offseason and what needs to be done um, come draft weekend and some other needs that went into free agency and then obviously are still there. So a lot to get done, a lot to address. want to remind you that this podcast, like every podcast that's brought to you, and we hear every day talking pro football, also have a college podcast that we encourage you to listen to each and every day because there's so much draft information uh, evaluation of prospects on that podcast. If you're not listening to it, you're missing out. Uh, we do a lot of that. Um, in addition to recruiting and other stuff, we get into that. So you want to make sure that you check that out. But this podcast and that podcast brought to you by the great folks at 401k Generation. They are the experts in financial planning. They are the experts in any money management issues that you may have going on. IRAs, 401Ks, investments, uh, where you need to be putting your money, where you need to be staring clear, whatever the case may be, uh, they've got the answers, and they can help you get your answers for you and guide you in the right direction. They're licensed in all 50 states, so they can help you wherever you're listening to this podcast. So give them a call or give them a text at 866 866- Nine nine eight five eight seven nine. Once again, that's one eight six six nine nine eight five eight seven nine. And uh, tell them that we sent you. They'll take good care of you. And if we can help you promote your business, send us a drop us a line over at landryfootball.com. Contact Chris, and we'll absolutely get that done for you. Uh, make sure you get in this podcast to your phone every day too. Uh, Landry Football's conference call is where you want to sign up. That'll get you this podcast as well as the college podcast. Got some questions. Kevin sent in a few. If you've got a question, again, LandryFootball.com. Contact Chris is where you want to send it in. 
News of the day. Um, it looks like as we get into training camp, and assuming we're going to have one, and I'm optimistic and hopeful that we can absolutely do that, um, we are going to have the hard knocks feature that is going to be L.A.-centric, Rams and Chargers, unique in that they're both going to be opening up a stadium and sharing the new SoFi Stadium. By the way, it's not a certainty that that's going to be ready for week one because of some of the delays with the workers, I guess, with the coronavirus. But uh, sharing a new stadium in a city, Chargers, Rams, we're going to see how that plays out. That's the plan right now, at least as it relates to hard knocks. Uh, Some free agent news of the day. Unique Nindakwe has reiterated his desire to move on from the Jags and says, you know, um, you know, it's the time to move on. And, um, you know, has kind of made those feelings known, which is – Again, an unfortunate thing when players take it publicly. This is the modern age of players with their agents kind of dictating situations and circumstances by coming out publicly. Um, it is going to certainly reduce the teams that might be, in terms of getting value for the pick, which he doesn't care about, uh, he just wants to go somewhere else and get a new deal but it's making it more difficult for the Jacks to do a trade with him, for him, for a team to acquire him. But he's um, made it clear. It's time to move on. You know, appreciate what they've done for him, yada, yada, yada. But, um, you know, certainly uh, to go public like that <clears throat> is never – Never a good thing, never a good way to handle business, but it is something that does happen in uh, this day and age more often than not. Uh, it is sounding more and more like <coughs> Jadavian Conning, pardon me, is not going to be re-signing with the Seahawks. So Lord is asking price. It seems like the chances of reuniting back in Seattle has kind of come and gone. We'll see. Um there's always a possibility, I guess, but it looks like that ship has sailed. In Washington, Ron Rivera confirmed that they did pursue Amari, Car- uh, Amari Cooper very hard. Um, also talked a little bit about what they feel Logan Thomas can add in the tight end coach. Pete Herner is really excited about what Logan Thomas can bring to the position and to the offense, his athletic ability, his football instincts. Um, So he's excited about some of the culture changes they've made. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of coaches that are speaking and front office people that are speaking this time of year as we're getting closer to the draft, they're reiterating to folks that – you know, these moves that we've made this offseason are not official until the 
physicals are done. And right now it's you know, not done. So we've got some interesting situations still to take place. For example, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, uh, guys that have, again, not completed their physicals. Now, it does it mean we're going to have a few of those? Probably not. There might be one or two here or there, but the likelihood is that all of these moves are going to be made official, but they're not um, in many cases. Uh, Atlanta, they talked a little bit about their addition of Todd Gurley, and I do think that they're going to be looking at him in a reduced role in terms of carries, but they feel good about what he can bring to the table. Uh, some other news, uh, Philadelphia has talked about behind the scenes about how they tried to, tried to trade Alshon Jeffrey last year. Uh, they began to shop him only a month after the organization guaranteed the $15.4 million cap hit for 2020. <coughs> He's uh, 30 questionable for the start of training camp and with a Liz Frank injury. So we'll see what may come about going forward there. Um, some of the other discussions certainly turned my attention to the draft. Um, as expected, and I do believe that when it's all said and done, I would suspect that the Redskins would stay at two and taste Chase Young, take Chase Young. I think that uh, sure they're going to get trade calls and conversations. I don't know that there's going to be requisite value to make that move. I don't think they they will. And making any move down loses you Chase Young, and I think every draft's a little different. And losing a player like that is the reason why you don't move off that spot. If you've got a handful of players, say two or three, that are in that um, that group then you'd consider perhaps moving a little bit more, and you'd consider moving for even less because you can get something of value and still get one of those players. But you can't get the one player. If he's, if you don't get him at two, you don't get him. And I don't think that's a proposition that the Redskins are interested in checking into. Um Interesting comments by Kevin Colbert, who I like a lot, good friends with. He proposed to the the teams, proposed to the league that teams should be awarded three extra draft bricks to offset any coronavirus restrictions that they have. Meaning, a um, lot of people are very frustrated behind closed doors with <clears throat> the lack of being able to do as much that needs to be done in the pre-draft process. And they're um, they're frustrated to the point of wanting to compensate with maybe making it a ten round draft or giving more picks at the end of certain rounds later. Um, look, I it's it you know my feeling on it. It is going to be a challenge. It is going to be tougher. There likely will be more mistakes made. Uh, it, it's a challenge, and I think it's something that. Um, Maybe it's because of my background, having been with an organization where you didn't have a very good budget and you had to do most of the work yourself and you had to do the work of several people and you had to do it in a makeshift draft room with with no back in the day when you didn't have cell phones or Internet or anything. 
still can draft championship and develop championship caliper teams in that environment. I think a lot of today's young GMs have a little bit paralysis by analysis. They they're a little bit insecure. They want to have they want to basically build a consensus on a player as opposed to you know having a strong conviction on what to do and what not to do. And I think it's creating a lot of consternation, frustration, fear among guys. So uh, I don't think there's any chance of anything like that happening. But uh, good try. Interesting uh, good try there. Uh, we're moving on, it does appear, with a virtual uh, location process for the draft. It'll be interesting how it's played out. Reminder again, all the draft boards up on LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of that as you're going to love that. Not only you can see an NFL-type draft board, but you can hear NFL draft room-type scouting reports. So you want to take advantage of it. Uh, I want to talk about a couple of players that I think are going to be really good receivers in this draft. We've talked about a number of them already. But there are some guys that are maybe not the top guys that you hear about but are still would be considered near the very top of most any draft. And T. Higgins of Clemson is one of them. Tall, athletic, long-arm, big-hands receiver, tremendous catch radius. Uh, coming out of Clemson, um, obviously been at a big-time program. Great body control and coordination. He's got great body control on the sideline catch, extends for throws, well outside his, his frame, <clears throat> can toe-tap inbounds. Size is very effective on contested catches and back shoulder throws. Um, very quick feet for a guy his size, good route running chops, um, understands the use of tempo and a variety of techniques in his routes. On the downside, he doesn't have great speed. Um, he relies on his size and his body to position himself, not always sudden off the line of scrimmage, more build-up speed than quickness, change of direction. He can create some after-the-catch plays. He's not real explosive. He's done most of his work on the perimeter, particularly on goal routes, back shoulders, comebacks. We'll have to show he can handle more of the in-breaking routes and learn more of the route tree. You know, he's a, little, he's a Cortland Sutton type receiver with build-up speed and ability to catch outside the frame, and I think he'll develop into a really good player at the next level. And I think he's um, going to have great value, particularly if he's there in the second round. Check out where I have him on the draft board and kind of where that might play out. The other guy that's interesting, uh, another guy that's interesting of many, is Brandon Ayuk of, Oregon, of, of Arizona State. Former JUCO player, first team All Pac 12 receiver, return specialist. Um, this guy's got big playability. No doubt. Game changing elusiveness, straight line speed, legitimate threat to score every time he touches the ball. Short, but he's not small. He's got a compact muscle frame, explodes off the line of scrimmage, can threaten deep, create balance, control, separation on underneath routes. Good vision to set up blocks. He cuts back um, and, and it pursues well. Uh, challenges pursuit angles. Impressive body control and sticky hands. Um, one dominant season. 
um, capable of playing multiple roles, but not really dominant on anything. He's made a lot of plays on a lot of tunnel screens. He'll be able to do that shallow crosses, simple vertical routes. He's got to learn a lot about the right route tree. Uh, he's does a lot from an improvisational s- standpoint. He freelances too much as a route runner. <clears throat> he loosely hangs onto the ball in the open field. The guy's got some ability. The guy definitely has some ability. Um, I think he's got the playmaking ability and untapped potential that can be a really good player and be a difference maker from the slot, maybe do some things that a Curtis Samuel done for the Panthers, work the slot, work the return game. Uh, I think he's a really interesting player. And, um, again, check out where I got him on the draft board and uh, certainly listen to the detailed report that we have. Let's take a look at the uh, AFC, uh, NFC South, and we'll be spending um, – Thursday and Friday going over the West teams. But the NFC South, we went over the AFC um, South yesterday. NFC South is a very competitive division. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, You look at their needs. First of all, let's kind of look at what they were able to do. They had a 7-9 season last year. And Arthur Blank, elected to stay with Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov. You saw the team play well in the second half of the season. Coming off the bye week, they played so well against the Saints. That helped, but it really kind of spurred them on to a pretty um, good second half of the season. They posted a 6-2 and two record over the second half of the season, and that was enough to convince Arthur Blank that maybe they were on to something. Um you know, uh, Quinn was hired in 15. He went to the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, it's a pivotal year for both Quinn and, and Dimitrov. They started out – Quinn started out the season as a defense coordinator, called the defense, but eventually passed those duties to assistant coaches. He admitted to making mistakes but um, was elated to get a chance to fix them. They switched uh, to a 3-4 defense with defensive end Tech McKinley and Vic Beasley standing up as linebackers but they couldn't stop the run or the pass. At the bye week, they simplified things and went back to a 4-3, simpler zones. Linebacker coach Jeff Yilbert called the defense on first and second downs, and Raheem Morris called the defense on third downs. With the defense stabilized, the offense unleashed Julio Jones and Austin Hooper over the second half of the season and um, was the real difference. Clean things up. You look at things, still need – cornerback after losing Desmond Trufant in free agency. The secondary um, is still an issue, but certainly a corner. Pass rushers are needed. Linebackers needed. There's no, they were bad in coverage last year. They ranked 26 in uh, points allowed per pass play. Isaiah Oliver and Kendall Sheffield both disappointed in coverage grades. Um, their needs at cornerback position are only exacerbated by losing Trufant in free agency to the Lions. Um, you know, I think it's going to be an early priority. Edge rusher still a need as well. Um, Dante Fowler was a solid pass rusher last year. It was overall sack and pressure production um, resulted in basically him overpaying for his services. Um, you know, he's got to continue to improve it. 
You've got to see what he can do across from Tack McKinley. They need a young guy that can rush the pass. You never have enough guys up front that can rush the passer. Off-the-ball linebackers should also be addressed after letting Devondre Campbell walk in free agency. Um, know what Deion, uh, Deion Jones could bring. Um, but they they don't have a lot of depth there, so it's an issue. Um you look at the other moves that they made, re-signing Tyler Davidson, acquired Hayden Hurst, who they like, um, released Devontae Freeman and Trufon and um, signed Fowler that we talked about, signed Todd Gurley, who, you know, I think in a, in a role of getting him 15 touches a game could certainly help. Could they potentially uh, unleash – Laquan Treadwell, and could he develop and become a more consistent player now? Um, might be interesting to see. Um, just not a whole lot there uh, in in the offseason that they've done that you can be overly impressed with. If you look at last year's draft, investing in the offensive line is usually wise, but the early returns hadn't been all that impressive. Um, Lindstrom landed on IR, the foot in September, activated in December, Thought he held up okay at right guard, and I'm going to give up some hope there. But I worry about Caleb McCary. I, I hope that he is okay health-wise. He struggled in protection. He's going to have to play better. Kendall Sheffield was good on special teams. He took over as a starter in week six. Very talented. Up and down. Got to play well. It's certainly we talk about the need at corner. Helps if this guy can step in. So, Still think um, when you're looking at the guard position, it's still an area that needs to be upgraded. I think a young defensive tackle, um, and I think at some point a young running back is going to be needed. Uh, John Kaminsky was a rotational piece in the fourth round. Quadriella Allison uh, did a decent job for him, decent fifth-round pick. But just uh, not a whole lot there. Not a whole lot there to hang your hat on. If you look at um, – they haven't missed on many top picks, but they've had a number of good but not special classes. Um, the 15 class was outstanding. Uh, Vic Beasley, Beasley was disappointment, um, you know. But you know, certainly, um, it started off with Coleman and Beasley like it was going to be really good, um, but it wasn't. The top three picks in 16: Count O'Neill, Deion Jones, and Austin Hooper all hit. But Neil and Jones have battled injuries, and Hooper's left in free agency. Tack McKinley hasn't blossomed. Calvin Ridley hit it in 2018. Isaiah Oliver has been improving. So the two, 2019 group needs to play well, and they need to um, they need to get more productivity out of this class uh, in the 2020 class. Carolina Panthers, take a look at these guys here. 19 season ended up with eight consecutive defeats. Playing the final four games under Perry Fuel following the firing of Ron Rivera. Without Cam Newton after the first two games, they eventually became unraveled. And following two home losses to start the season, the Panthers appeared in good shape <clears throat> behind Kyle Allen. In the meantime, Christian McCaffrey emerged as one of the more productive players in the league. They look like an MVP candidate for much of the year. Um, 
Allen eventually waned, as we thought. Defense wasn't up to the task. And uh, despite the fact that it had a pretty good pass rush, they finished with a 5-11 and record, last place in the South. Um, David Tepper fired Rivera in December, and then we knew more changes were coming. Um, Newton's gone, taking a different approach. They've gone ahead and signed Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, they did not retain James Bradbury in free agency. They're going to need a lot on defense, every position, really. Uh, they're also going to need interior offensive line help, tight end help. James Bradbury was not retained. Now they're left with Dante Jackson and a bunch of unknowns. They don't match up there. At linebacker, they got a glaring need following the retirement of Luke Keekley, who was one of the best linebackers in the league in his entire career. Justin Burns figures to be the team's starting strong safety. <coughs> but he's only played 409 snaps. is not good enough. They lost Gerald McCoy to free agency without adding anyone to replace him. Stephen Weatherly is far from a proven starter opposite Brian Burns. Um, there's not a position they can't upgrade on that defense. They need an awful lot on offense. Um, they need a tight end after Greg Olson's departure. It's not a great year to need a tight end. Uh, they're going to have to find one. They traded away their best offensive lineman at right guard, Trey Turner. Did not resign last year's starting left guard, Greg Van Roten. Um, John Miller could be one answer, but it's not a sure thing. Bridgewater's, as I mentioned there, Roddy uh, Anderson's coming there, but it's a complete rebuild here. Um, not a lot of answers in the folks that they've signed. And, you know, a Russell Okung is a little bit of a surprise. He's a tackle, yes, but... Trey Turner's a better player, a younger player, and obviously they didn't have a role for him. They're going younger, so Don, Don Terry Poe's gone. Um, they released Eric Reed, again going young. Um, signed Keith Kirkwood to a one-year deal. Uh, just not a whole lot that, that excites you. You know, certainly um, they made the move to trade Kyle Allen. You're going to go in a different direction with Bridgewater. Robbie Anderson's a good signing. But they've got a lot of work to do, no doubt about it. Um, just a whole lot of needs on that defensive side. Look at last year's draft, Brian Burns. Burns looked like an able pass rusher, but it's not yet a complete player. More um, will be expected of Little. Tackle from Ole Miss and Greer in year two. We'll see um, what Greer can do behind Teddy Bridgewater. Brian Burns started out hot, but he really slips. Got to get stronger at the point of attack. Greg Little missed time with a concussion and an ankle. Christian Miller battled ankle injuries. Jordan Scarlett, rarely used, played only eight offensive snaps. Um, so the draft was spotty. I'm a little bit worried about their future in terms of it's going to be head coach-centric in terms of the draft. They don't have a real good football guy in Marty Herning, more of an administrative type guy. They've been – they've had a few whiffs on early picks. Um, Vernon Butler was a disappointment. Shaq Thompson and Christian McCaffrey and D.J. Moore and Brian Burns are good contributors. 
uh, Devin Funches and James Bradbury, uh, James Bradbury and Curtis Samuel and Taylor Moulton and Dante Jackson all flash at some point, though Funches uh, has left to go to the Packers. Bradbury's, you know, gone. So the 19 class has is, is got to play well, and they're going to have to hit big time going forward, uh, just like we talked about with the Falcons this past year. I, who doesn't need to have a good draft? Everyone needs to have a good draft. But it's a rebuild situation, so they're off to a bad – if they don't get it done, they're off to a bad start in their rebuild process, and it'll take some time. The New Orleans Saints obviously – make the case for them being the best team in the NFC the past few years. They won the NFC South for the third consecutive season. Remember when this division was every year is a different team? The best record in the conference, 13-3. and They once again failed to reach the Super Bowl, and they lost to Minnesota at home in a wild-card game after winning a playoff game each of the previous two seasons. Lost to the Vikings two years ago in the Minneapolis Miracle obviously lost the Rams game in a very controversial fashion. Drew Brees is coming back probably for his last year, most likely his last year, going to turn 41. Uh, They don't have a quarterback signed for 2020. They do think that Taysom Hill will be that guy. Brees missed five games because of a thumb injury, and Bridgewater helped the team go undefeated in his absence. Whether Bridgewater was under center or not, they kept finding Michael Thomas. The offense was really inconsistent otherwise. There was no dependable second wide receiver, and the dual threat of Alvin Kamara didn't play all that well. I thought Jared Cook played well in the second half of the season. But they've got to get somebody to make plays at the second receiver spot. They need Alvin Kamara and another back to give them the running game that makes them really good. Two years ago when they were really good, that was the reason why. The defense helped carry the team in Breeze's absence, but it was inconsistent in the second half of the season, partly because of a series of injuries. The run defense was exceptional, but the pa- and the, uh, the pass rush was very good, but the pass coverage was really erratic. Um They need to upgrade a few areas on this team. Cornerback in particular. Um, and receiver, I think it's big. With Breeze's return, they added Emmanuel Sanders and Malcolm Jenkins. So you've got Sanders to go along with Thomas. You've got Jared Cook. If those guys stay healthy, play well, they've got the best receiving core they've had in a while a young receiver who can be a difference maker, although young receivers rarely are a hit for them. If they can find one of those guys who would really make them tough, and certainly maybe a running back that might be able to be a difference maker for them would be, would be pivotal. They needed some help on the back end of their defense. Malcolm Jenkins returns. Um, I think cornerback depth is an issue. Marshawn Lattimore is really a good outside corner. Um, I thought Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was really good in the slot. Um, Janoris Jenkins is going to get the other cornerback spot, but I'd like to see more depth there, just like I'd like to see a receiver running back tight end possibility maybe get one if not two of those spots with a good young player that can contribute. 
Um, the quarterback situation is what it is. Don't know that they're going to address that right now. I think their goal is to put the best team they can together to make one run at it with Brees. Um, so we'll see how this plays out. I think they'd like to <coughs> have a situation where they can have a backup quarterback so that they can use Taysom Hill in the dual role that they've had, the slash role that they've had. Um, looking at the other moves that they've made, they've re-signed David Odomata, uh, uh, which has been really good. Um, they exercised the fifth-year option on Ramchick and Lattimore, which is expected. Resigned DJ Swearinger. I don't know what they're going to get out of Noah Spence, but it makes some sense there. And I do like the re-sign of P.J. Williams along with Janoris Jenkins. I think it gives them, you know, a couple guys potentially in the slot that can play. I just worry about having another outside corner that can match up and like to see them address that and, and maybe have that third corner. If they can do that, then I think uh, – and maybe add uh, – certainly adding a pass rusher is – Always something that you'd like to do. And so we'll see. We'll see. Maybe a, a Zach Bond type of player. Maybe they maybe they get another receiver or another offensive lineman. Got to make sure that the depth there on the offensive line, getting under his feet was really um, – re-signed was really important. Um, and I think pivotal. Really good player for them. He's developed into a really good guard. And uh, re-signing him to a five-year deal was big. Um, if you look at last year's draft, Eric McCoy was outstanding. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was outstanding. Um, Saquon Hampton didn't do a whole, didn't do a whole lot. Neither did uh, Alzi Mack or Caden Ellis. But they, they had fewer picks after trade-ups. You know, they had to get it right. The first two picks look really good. There's just not much else there. Um think the Saints have done a really good job in the draft the past few years. Lattimore, Ramchick, Kamara in 17 alone was outstanding. Marcus Williams is outstanding. Um, Anzalone and Hendrickson have been good when they've been healthy. Uh, they found in quality players in small classes have done a really good job. Davenport needs to have a big year. No question about it. Stephon Anthony pick didn't do much for him, but They've got a chance with a good draft. They've got the fewest picks now, so um, they're not going to have big impacts other than maybe one or two players. Getting those right type of guys and filling out this roster, having depth and having good breaks injury-wise, this is what they're obviously looking to do in this final run with Drew Brees. <clears throat> and then we get to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, if you look at Obviously, what they tried to do this past year, <coughs> it was a mistake fest offensively. Threw a ton of picks, a lot of interceptions, big plays both ways. It was pretty obvious that Bruce Arians wanted to go in a different direction than they did. They've got Tom Brady, um, and they're moving on from Jameis Winston. Uh, their defense under Todd Bowles, was first against the run, improved dramatically with the young secondary, but they got some work to do there still. Got to protect Tom Brady. 
the ball is going to come out quicker, so they will immediately get better. But that's an important part. Still don't have a starting caliber right tackle, so we'll see what they can do. Um, and, and by the way, that offensive line was a little better than most people thought last year. Uh, Jameis Winston made him look worse by holding the ball as long as he did. But they still got room to improve. Now, Joe Haig, again, is not a starter. He would start right now. He didn't grade all that well. They need a better option there. But with Brady, they'll have a better chance to kind of work around that. Safety is another position that they need to get an impact player. The torn Achilles kept Justin Evans off the field last year. The guys who did see snaps at safety, Jordan Whitehead and Andrew Adams and Mike Edwards, all graded really poorly. The cornerback duel of Colton Davis and Jamal Dean impressed down the stretch. So um, if you can find a safety option, that would really help them. I do think they need to get a running back fit probably more in the second wave of free agency, um, one that can be a receiving threat out of the backfield. But a young guy in the draft is also a possibility. So if you look at them, um, obviously putting the tag on Barrett, re-signing Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, Brady, of course, uh, Rakeem Nushes Rochus, um, um, re-signing uh, uh, Sue were all moves I thought thought that were more solid. They're, they're going to also make a run and think that they can be a playoff team with an extra team in the playoffs, they've got a they certainly have a shot. If you look at their draft last year, Devin White really is a defensive leader and gonna be a really good player. Murphy Bunting is took over as a starter midseason, and I think he's got a chance to be a really good player for him. Mike Edwards has a chance um to develop. He's the one young safety that I like. Um the biggest concern might be the struggle that Matt Gay had last year, the kicking problems continue. So um, Jamal Dean battled ankle injuries. So we'll see how that plays out. Anthony Nelson rotated, uh, missed a lot of time with a hamstring. So um, I thought Scott Miller flashed a little bit and um, before landing on IR. If you look at Jason Light's record over the past five years, he's found some pieces like Ali Marpet and Quan Alexander and Chris Godwin. But you've had the Roberto Aguayos, the Noah Spences, the Vernon Hargraves. Uh, still the jury's out on Ronald Jones, but that could be a positive down the road. Um, you know, the Jameis Winston move hadn't quite worked out. O.J. Howard um, hadn't done a really good job. Uh, Vita Vea came in on year two, but um, that certainly hasn't looked like the right pick for 12th overall. He hasn't been a boss, but he hasn't been the fit. Uh, that they had hoped. So we'll we'll see how this uh, Chris Godwin was, was a really good pick. Um, so they're going to need to hit it. Um, they obviously looks like they may have two years with Brady. They need to keep him healthy. They need to give him weapons out of the backfield. They need better play at tight end. But offensive line is the focus. And maybe you find that right back out in the draft that can catch the ball, but maybe that's a veteran guy. Then defensively, you've got to get help at safety. Certainly could use another pass rusher. You don't ever have enough of those guys. So that's a look at there. So 
That's a look at the South, entire NFC South. We did the AFC South yesterday. We'll get into the West. We'll go AFC West on Thursday and NFC West on Friday, and that'll wrap up all the divisions. When I answer, uh, Kevin has a couple questions, good questions, always good for some good questions. Kevin asks, draft grade question. Generally speaking, a corner who is elite in zone coverage with solid physical attributes but is just average in man coverage, does this type of player usually fall in the 6'4 to 6'0 range? Um, No, not always, Uh, not usually. I would say that's the highest they'll go. They won't go any higher than 6-4, but you will find those type of physical zone corners that are in the 5-9-5-5. That's probably the biggest sweet spot for those guys. But some of them bleed into the 6-4-6-0 grade, yes. Mostly guys 6-4-6-0 have a little bit more ability to play in coverage. Um, So you can find big zone cover guys. Um, a little bit later in 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 out of the six four to six zero range, uh, and again that's the complexity of the grades because overall they may be five nine to five zero, oh, but those guys will have more value because what you ask them to do in terms of being a press cover guy, zone cover guy, you can live with the fact that overall. He's a 5'9", five, 5'9", nine, five, nine grade, but he can be a really good player for us, and that's why you see a lot of mid- to late-round guys make it in that zone cover mode. Off-season workouts. Question, players who have customized off-season workout routines, do they have to get approval from the training staff? Well, it usually comes for the strength coach. Um, there's good communication there. Some players are more comfortable with what – they may have their own individual trainer. There's usually done in concert with the strength coach. At least the strength coach understands it. If there's some differences in philosophies, it'll be discussed. Um, but a, there's no hard, fast rule about a player uh, has to listen to the strength coach and do what the strength coach says and not have an individual guy. There, there's nothing that says – that you have to do it. Uh, it's it's nothing but it's, it's getting approval, no. But get in concert with the strength staff, it's usually important. Can you please provide historical clarity to the following? Was there any truth to the claim that Jim Everett was a soft player? I think that's a little bit unfair, but, but he wasn't – he wasn't the toughest guy. I would say that, um, and I don't want to ride the fence here. I, I, he certainly wasn't the toughest guy. He wasn't the most mentally tough guy. And I, he got hit a bunch, and I don't think he um, he played all that well under pressure. And so, fair or not, borderline maybe, I'd go with it. And then uh, Jerry Jones, firing of Chan Gailey after the 99 season. Was this action warranted? It seemed odd to me in real time because the Cowboys made the playoffs in two seasons there. Um, Here's the thing about that time. If you remember and you go through the history, after 
you know, Jerry went through, you know, he hired Barry to replace Jimmy Johnson. They won. So when he goes and he hires Chan, and he's kind of in that range, he's used to winning. I mean, he's used to, you know, being a threat, winning it all. So the expectation level for Chan Gailey was high. And, and again, because of how they ran the organization, um, you can say that that's the reason why they hired Jan, cause he, Chan, because he was controllable. And guys that were more qualified weren't interested in playing Jerry's games and didn't want it. So this began the cycle of puppet coaches that he's had that weren't real successful. But – Jan did have success, and as you mentioned, went to the playoffs two seasons. That was not the expectation then. The expectation was to make the playoffs and make a run at the Super Bowl, and that wasn't happening. If you look at the modern history and the patience he showed with Jason Garrett, a couple of things. One, Jason was almost like a son to him. He had a close relationship to him, and quite frankly, Look at the expectation level of the Cowboys. All oh, they talk about, all oh, they expect to win championships and this and that. The reality is, if you go to the playoffs right now, coaching the Cowboys, that's a positive sign. So the expectation level, while they may say it's every bit as big, it's really not. You show signs of improvement from where they've been and the lack of consistency, but you're making progress, absolutely the expectation level is not as high as it was when they let Chan go at 99. You think if Jason Garrett had made Super Bowl the past couple of, uh, excuse me, the playoffs the last couple of years, he'd still be the coach. Of course he would. The expectation levels is dipped a little bit, and that's the reason for it. So is it justified? Then probably not, but again, it's it's the biggest problem that the Cowboys have is not who's been their coach, but who can they get as a coach because people are not as comfortable working with Jerry. Now, it'll be interesting to see how Mike McCarthy deals with it. I do think things are better now as Jerry's gotten older. Steven has taken more of a role. Steven understands that. You know, a guy like a Will McClay's had a lot of impact in how they evaluate and handle their personnel. So I think it helps them a little bit more and have a little bit better feel for it. And Jerry's a little bit more – he's involved, but he listens more and he delegates more to Stephen. And he certainly gets involved in the coaching decisions. But the day-to-day things, he's not – as involved, and that's why they haven't messed up as much. So that's a little bit of a look at that. Hey, appreciate you joining us. As always, join us again for the college show, Big Ten Football and Beyond today. On Thursday, Big 12 Football and Beyond. Friday, Pac-12 Football and Beyond. Mondays, it's SEC Football and Beyond. And Tuesdays, ACC Football and Beyond. We'll talk college football each and every day. You want to listen to that even if you're a pro football fan because talk a lot of draft there. A lot of information, <clears throat> evaluating of prospects. So you want to make sure you listen to that. And you can do that, <coughs> excuse me, by signing up for Landry Football's conference call, where you can catch this pro podcast as well as the college podcast. So you want to make sure you take advantage of that 
and uh, make sure you take advantage of the fine folks at 401k Generation. Eddie Rojas and his team are absolute professionals, and they have expertise to help you in the financial money management investment game. That's oh so important at any time. But right now, it's seemingly a dire investment environment. Understand how to deal with it and grow through it by reaching out to them today. Give them a call or give them a text. They're licensed in all 50 states. so They can help you regardless of where you're hearing this podcast. Uh, 1-866-998-5879. That's 1-866-998-5879. Check them out. Uh, Check out LandryFootball.com, draft boards, scouting reports, free agent boards, news and notes every day in our notebooks that keeps you updated on all the latest. Take advantage of it today. Uh, Draft's coming up. Great opportunity to get involved. The best discount price we've ever had. Check it out, LandryFootball.com. Have a great day, everybody. Uh, Check us out over on the College Show. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. I'm Chris Landry. So long and be safe.